Jesus, and we were talking about building our life on him. Do you know what? Calling out on the name of Jesus, it's the key. It's the key today if you feel like you're overwhelmed with the circumstances of your life, if you're uncertain about the future, if you're having difficulties with your health, with your mental health and well-being, no matter what you're going through today, the key to your fulfillment, the key to the eternity, the key to peace of mind is Jesus. Amen? Amen. So Jesus, we lift up our needs to you today corporately as a body of believers. Come on, lift up your need to the Lord today. We bring the need of our, from our own lives, we bring it and we lay it at your feet today. We say, God, provide. You're the God who provides. Lord, we give it to you today. And Lord, we come and we think about those who are sitting next to us, those who are in this room, God, the body of, of believers, the family of God, Lord, and we know there's needs that we can picture and say in our minds even right now that are in this place. So Lord, we lift those up to you right now. If you know someone in this congregation who has a need today, why don't you just lift them up to the Lord in your own heart, with your own words, lift them up to the Lord. God, those who are sick, those who are having struggles, God, we lift them up to you today. We thank you, God, that we can come here and be encouragement to one another, God. And Lord, we, we think about the world around us and the community that we're a part of, and, and Lord, there are, there are needs here that are deep, and so God, we ask that you would meet those needs as well. You'd give wisdom to those who are in leadership, those who are in governments, those who are in our community, but also in our, our province and in our, world, in our country, and then even further from that, God, we know that we can trust you, that you are working on behalf of the family of God, and so we trust you today, God. We embrace what you have for us today, and we thank you, God, that it is significant. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen, amen. Why don't you turn, greet someone who came in since you got here. Welcome them to Calvary Church. It's coming. Right there, watch. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thanks, Jimmer. Oh, I love that. I love hearing the, the laughing and the, the sound of people having fun together at church. It's really good. I'm telling you, if you want to hear a lot of fun in church, you should have been here this week during VBS week. It was a lot of stuff going on, and, and it was exciting. Did you know, I mean, some of you are noticed, and I am taking quick advantage of all the curtains being down, I see. <laughs> curtains are down for the sake of VBS this week, uh, um, and, and so now I can't see everyone's eyes, which is killing me. So, but anyways, it's all right. Uh, we did that, and then Jesse had this brilliant idea, which was to make this whole place into laser tag. Come on, don't you wish that was left up for today? right? Laser tag in the entire sanctuary. This is holy ground where you can shoot each other with a laser in the name of Jesus, right? Yeah. It was a crazy week, <laughs> but it was a good week. And kids got to experience uh, God's presence uh, in, in their own unique way, and they got to have fun in church and knowing that it's a place where they belong, and all generations, generations are represented here, which I love. 
And then to think that the, the junior highs, they came back all pumped up, excited about what happened. And thank you, uh, Pastor John Mark, for sharing that here as well, of what God is doing in the hearts of the next generation. Would you continue to pray for them over the summer, that God would preserve them, watch over them, as they uh, enjoy this break and this season that they're in? Do you know what? Uh, my earliest memory of going to church, it's just, so, it's just crazy the things that you remember. Think right now, what's your earliest memory of church? For some of you, you're going to say fishy crackers right off the bat. But my earliest memory of church was we, were, we attended this small um, missionary church that was down the street from our house where my grandparents went. And, and when we, well, from the time I was born, we started to go there. And, uh, and I remember being in the nursery, not as a baby, but as a kid who was a little bit too old for nursery, I was probably like three or four, and it was a special, it was an evening or something that was different. And so my grandmother, who was probably not that much older than me even right now, let's be honest, but my grandmother was sitting on the floor and she was in nursery that night, so I was able to go to nursery even though I was too old. I was four, like way too old. So I went and my little sister, baby sister was there and I remember sitting on the floor and I just had this beautiful picture of being so content. My grandmother, she was reading a stories, Bible stories, and there was a couple kids playing and my baby sister was there and there was this feeling in this room, it was very safe and it was holy. It was a good day because we were in God's house together. Isn't a good day when we're in the house of God together? Such a good day. Looking back now, of course, I, I, with everything that I, I have experienced in church living and in ministry, but I, looking back now, I cherish this intergenerational nature of the moment. We were a faith community. In fact, the church was called Faith Missionary Church. Uh, last week, we talked about what's so significant about God. We're in a series called It's Significant. We know that we're in a significant season in the life of Calvary Church, and maybe you too are in a really significant season in your family, uh, your family life. If anyone's asking, no, we did not find a house last week. <laughs> but we're still looking and we'll be going out today. But I promise you, as soon as we know, we'll let you know. <laughs> But we're in this significant season as a church family, and so we're talking about three things uh, over the next three weeks, and well, next week, actually, we have a little uh, caveat, like a little a different message that's coming up. Pastor Cameron's going to be speaking next week, but, um, but we are talking about the significance of God, the significance of the faith community, and then, then we'll be fin finishing up with the significance of you and your calling and how God is using you uh, to embrace your significance and be a, an effective uh, minister in your own setting, uh, being able to share the gospel message. But so, uh, so many of our faith memories involve not just our individual moments with the Lord, but the experiences and the interactions we have with the people of God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like there's these times when we know I met with God and I was, you know, knelt down beside my bed and, I, and he spoke to me or I heard from him or he comforted me in that moment as an individual, or, or I, had, I had this moment when God called me out of a really horrible lifestyle, or he redeemed me or freed me, but we have these moments that are individualistic. But the majority 
The majority of our faith experiences and interactions involve a whole people of God, the family of God. It's significant. Today I'm calling it the community of faith, that family of God. It's, it's a community. The content in the story that we're, we're in this middle of the story of Moses, and the content of this part of the story that we've been talking about is uh, God's interaction with Moses, who was a chosen individual, who is commissioned to fulfill God's purposes. But the context, when we zoom out, is of God fulfilling his purposes to an entire community of people, the nation of Israel. You're going to have to track with me a little bit today because I, I, I know it might feel a little bit of a stretch to go all the way from the people of Israel up to this context of our church family and community. And we're not drawing exact lines, but there is a connection that goes throughout the generations of God's purposes and God's heart for community. The context is God fulfilling his purpose to a community of people. And so we, we ended up last, ended last week's message where God was saying, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals, Moses, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And we, we have this this interaction between Moses as an individual who's called by God. But we have, when we zoom out, we see this big picture of God fulfilling his purposes to the community of Israel. So would you turn with me in your Bible to Exodus chapter 3? We're going to start at verse 7 today. Did I ever tell you about my love for hearing pages open? Yeah, just, I love it. If you don't have, your, if you don't have an actual Bible with you, welcome to bring your Bible to church. Just amen, somebody? Um, it, it's, it feels good when you open it up and you, those who love books, you know what I'm talking about. But if not, pull up your phone. You're welcome to read it in church. And you can look up on your phone, your app, the Bible, Exodus chapter 3. And the Lord said this, verse 7. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, Perizzites, per, Peris, not Perizzites, <laughs> Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And God says, I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. My people. You know, we're going to skip over the interaction that Moses had where he's uh, having that moment of, what do you call it, imposter syndrome? <laughs> I can't do it, Moses says. Don't send me. I can't speak very well. We'll talk about that in the next time I speak regarding this, embracing our own significance, uh, overcoming that sense of, of unworthiness or inabilities to be used by God. But Moses, after he, he finishes saying, who am I and, and what if, he then goes on to say, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name, then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. 
I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, I love it, it's like he says, like, just make it clear, just say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. I love that passage of scripture. Now let's be honest, when we look at this text and often in, in different, uh, different passages of scripture, when we listen to a sermon, when we listen to a podcast, in our human nature, con- considering we're pretty conditioned in a self-centric kind of culture, <laughs> immediately we start to apply what we are hearing to what we are experiencing as an individual. How many people know what I'm talking about? They're like, oh, God speaks to me in this, through that message because I am like this person, or I felt like Moses. It's not wrong, it's natural, it's, it's God uses it well because, why? Because he's a personal God, we learned that last week, didn't we? He's a personal God, he's gonna speak to you specifically as an individual, but today we are going to look at why the community of faith is significant in this moment. Of course, the Old Testament doesn't have direct reference to the community of faith that we know it today called the local church, not a direct context, but there are three things I want us to pull from this passage of scripture and from the whole of scripture, a biblical point of view from the all of scripture. And the first one is the connection. Why is the community of faith, although it has changed over the years and what that looks like and is articulated, why is the community of faith so significant? I believe it's significant because God's revelation of who he is is always connected to the larger faith community. That's why it's significant. Think about the first story that you maybe heard of in scripture is from Genesis and how God's plan was to, to, crea- to make all these creations but to make Adam and Eve who would be like him in the image of God. And Adam and Eve are in the garden. They're created by God, for God. And we see who God is in relationship to to humanity when it's described of of God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, the Bible says, uh, trying to find Adam and Eve. And they recognized they could hear him coming. Why could they hear him coming? Well, he must have come their way before. God isn't a distant God. He has placed himself in even community, even from the very beginning. He has his creation, Adam and Eve, and he's in fellowship with them, and it's good. It's good. And then we we find that God is going out of his way. Why? Because he loves that community. He has plans and purposes for them to multiply and for it to be this, this larger community of those who would worship him, his creation. And, and even though he knows it will go wrong, he has a plan in place so that there will be a day when everyone would be able to have this access to become restored once again if they would just call on the, the one who was planned from the beginning, Jesus, the Savior, the King. And we see later on in scripture, the people of Israel, when they were led out of Egypt, they would be revealed as a a people of God. They would be recognized by God's relationship to them, by God's going before them, a cloud by day, a fire by night. And it would be a mark, they would be marked as a people as they journey through to the promised land. Did you know that you too are marked as a people? By the presence of God. 
But before even that moment, we see Moses. He's being commissioned at the burning bush, and God chooses to identify himself as God associate with this very specific community. Did you pick up on it a few times over again? He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This is how you'll know that it's me. It gets confused, eh, when you start talking to people a little bit about God, spirituality. Like, well, this is, oh yeah, I talk to God. I, I know, I believe in God. I believe there's a higher power, and it gets very vague, doesn't it, really fast sometimes. And it's okay. Those are good conversations, especially starter conversations with people who we are in relationship with or connected with in our communities at large. But there is this identity of who God is and uh, that is connected to who he has been connected to as a people of faith and his purposes that he brought through those people of faith. His identity was not in who they were, and yet he chose to reveal himself by their family's names. I find this to be significant. And I'm sorry, if this feels a little bit too like deep and too... Uh, thought-provoking for a rainy Sunday morning. Well, it's okay. You can think about it later on this week a little bit too. But he chose to reveal himself by who they were. Why? And it was because of covenant promise he had made to Abraham to make them into a great nation. They would be the chosen people of God. Do you remember the story of Abraham? Do you remember Abraham and Sarah? They were unable to have a child, and God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And they're like, wow, what? <laughs> and God gives them a promise, and he reveals his promise to them, and, he, and through them they're able to bear the son Isaac, who then has a son Jacob. And so there's this history, there's stories, there's, uh, there's tradition, but there's, there's this heritage that keeps being passed down generation to generation so that the people would be reminded of how powerful and called and promised people they were. So when Moses presses further, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God says, tell them who I'm connected to. Reveal to them whom I'm connected to. It's a scary thought, isn't it, in today's culture a little bit? What religion do you follow? What spirituality are you connected with? And you say cautiously, I'm a Christian. Why is that? <laughs> because there's something to do with the connection of this idea that are, that God chooses to connect himself with a people and somehow they represent him, although his identity is not dependent on who we are. He chooses to reveal himself by names of who he is. Whenever God revealed himself to the children of Israel, he revealed to them something new about himself. So when, when Moses says, who should I say sent sent?" me? What's the name that I'm going to use? It was because he'd already been revealed to the people as El Shaddai, 
the Lord God Almighty, El Elyon, the Most High God. I love the story of Hagar and her encounter with God. She names God to be, you are the God who sees. There's all these names that go with story, revealing of who God is. And Moses wanted to be able to communicate, and maybe you feel like this at times, you want to be able to communicate to the people who God is and is revealing himself to be during this season. And this is when a powerful moment of revelation comes to Moses through the burning bush, which would become a cornerstone to the Hebrew faith community and for us as well. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, the faith community. I am has sent you. So there's this connection with the faith community. It's why we're significant as a faith community. But there's also the distinction. And the distinction is this, number two, God's identity isn't dependent on the community of faith. I want you to do, do me a favor, because it probably helps me to take a deep breath and just let the air come back out. Let your shoulders relax. Be comfortable, because guess what? Kingdom's not dependent on you. Do it one more time, because you don't believe me. Ready? Big breath. Relax. Shoulders down. God's identity is not dependent on you. God's identity is not dependent on the faith community. And this too is significant. God reveals his identity to Moses in order to reveal to the entire faith community that he is Yahweh, I am who I am. And the name, the name I am is a complete name. It describes God as completely independent and that he relies on no one else. He is also everything anyone could ever need in any moment. Somebody say amen. <laughs> this is the God that we serve as a faith community. And I know I'm kind of overlapping a little bit from last week of being that who God is is significant, but there's such a connection. And so he's revealing himself to the community and this distinction of I am connected to you based on my history with you, but I'm also independent and distinct from you because I am all sufficient. It's why it's so significant when Jesus revealed to the Jewish community that he, as he was sharing the I am statements, and John is so good to put them all uh, together, and there's pieces throughout all the book of John, the I am statements of Jesus. When he's saying I am, he's referring directly to what the Jewish people to know is a statement more than just in that moment. He says, I am the bread of life, John 6, 35. I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. I am the gate for the sheep, John 10, 7. I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11. I am the resurrection and the life, John 11, 25. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. I am true, the true vine, John 15, 1. And man, that just reminds me that my job is abiding with him and not having to prove his worth as a faith community. And when the Jews in Jesus' day were becoming this arrogant and prideful in their state status as descendants of Abraham, remember Jesus came in, he's bringing the new covenant and he comes in and they're saying, well, we're descendants of, of Abraham, don't tell us how to live. And Jesus says in John 8, 58, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. I'm so grateful that one day when we're in heaven, 
we're in glory face to face, we will hear him say him by himself, on his own, without just through the interpretation of scripture, but we will hear him say those words and understand the magnitude of when Jesus says, I am, and it's enough. It's enough. There is a continuance and a connection between God's people and his voice to reveal himself to individuals as he was connected to a significant community. And I love what Peter says, 1 Peter 2.10, speaking to new believers. New believers. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have, had not received mercy, but now you have, re, have received mercy. He's saying you, you, were, you were on the outside. You were not part of the Jewish family. You were, on, you were not part of the chosen people, but because Jesus came, Jesus, the full fulfillment of all the promises of Old Testament, he came, and because he came, we have access to God, and we become a people of God. And who we are as a community of faith is planted and rooted in who he is and his mercy and grace. Let that take a weight off your shoulders today because you are planted and rooted in who he is, his mercy and his grace, and his success is not dependent on us. Yeah. His reputation is interpreted by people's reflection on us. But it's not dependent on us. Why? Because he is. You know, some people, after being hurt and disconnected from the family of God, you, you know right now some of you are sitting here and you just wish that your son or your daughter were sitting next to you in church this Sunday. But somewhere along the line, the church let them down. People let them down. And they're somewhat disenfranchised with the whole idea of a faith community. And perhaps rightfully so. But I want to encourage you today that the faith community is still a good idea. Gathering together as believers to pray, to worship, to celebrate, to support one another, it's still a really, really great idea. Why? Because it was God's idea. And sometimes when we have loved ones who are disconnected from the family of God, or we ourselves are starting to feel like we don't really need the family of God. I mean, I hate, I don't want to bring it up, but remember that time when we just all watched online and we thought, hey, my couch is more comfortable than the pews at church. <laughs> and there comes this time when we start to feel like we are, are, are not sure how important the community of faith is. Or better yet, we get frustrated with the family, family of God and we make it our mission to fix it. You know what I'm talking about. And we want to fix it and critique it and give it a score and vote with our funds or vote with our legs or work on all those things. And I'm not talking to you specifically because I don't know you well enough to know. <laughs> but it happens everywhere. And the problem is that if we become consumed with fixing the community of faith, we become distracted from the actual mission of the community of faith. Yeah. Don't get distracted 
by knowing what needs to be fixed. Don't keep a chart of what you know isn't right. Be, respond to the family of God as if you are part of the family and called to do your part. I love uh, the idea that if it, there's this great quote, I'm going to share it with you in just a minute, but there's these times when we become anxious and we think, oh man, it's just not quite what I, I, I think the, the family or the faith community should really be yet. Once it's fixed, then I will, I'll bring my loved ones or I'll call my neighbor in. And once it's all perfect, then, then I will feel safe enough to bring someone along on this journey. Uh, don't wait. And then don't get anxious when, it, when you see the issues that aren't exactly perfect because guess what? We, we are called as a people based on being, having received mercy and grace. And so that means we make room for mercy and grace within the family of God. That's what makes us so amazing, that there's room for brokenness. There's room for mistake. There's room for tweaking that needs to be done or vision needing to be carried. This is what makes it so beautiful because it's not just an organization. It's not a business. It's the family of God. It's the people of God, the faith community. And James Bryan Smith, he says this, and I, I've heard this several times over the last few years, but it's this quote that says, I know one thing for sure. I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. I live in the strong, unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I. And neither is his church. I know it seems like counterintuitive when you think about all that's wrong with the church or you catch up on some of the social media or the, the press that comes behind people who literally have done things wrong, who are, should be held accountable, and who have made mistakes over and over again. All of those pieces, we're not saying to wash over them. We're saying it is a, a part of our responsibility and it is important that we all work together to make this uh, represent the God we love and serve so much. But understand this, that the kingdom is unshakable. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I, and neither in his church. God loves us. The New Testament describes the community of faith as the bride of Christ. It becomes more intimate. It's not just the people of God who are called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who are going to call and bring them through to the promised land. It's, it's not just a fulfilling of promise. It's become really personal because God so loved the world that he sent his son to die so that we would have eternal life. And the Bible says that we who have received Christ in salvation, we are then called many things. And we'll talk about that in the fall because we've got another series that we're really excited about, the church being the people. <laughs> The New Testament describes the community of faith as the bride of Christ. I don't know about you, but I remember my wedding day really vividly. I remember seeing Duane at the front of the church, being so excited. Uh, I remember feeling so loved on that day. I was the bride. And it's not too many grooms who on their wedding day look at their bride with disgust. Right? Should have picked a different dress, honey. No. Oh my goodness. But rather they're in awe 
and in love and they're relentless in their pursuit to confess their love before all those people and express that love to their bride personally. God too is in relentless, relentless in his love for the community of faith. You know, when I was sitting here in, during worship time, I was like, God, if there's just one thing, I just want them to make sure they, they feel, what, what would that be that you'd want to share? And he says, make sure they know I love them. I love them. I love them. I love Calvary Church. I love the body of believers. I love the bride of Christ, and they are the bride. God in his relentless is relentless in his love for the community of faith. And in the days of Moses, he sent a burning bush and signs and wonders and overthrew a government and divided a Red Sea to fulfill his promise to a group of imperfect people in need of deliver, deliverer. In regards to Jesus, the new Moses, he reveals himself to an expanding kingdom, an inclusive com community of faith consisting of all nations, all people who will call on the Lord for salvation because of this new covenant that was made by the pouring out of his life for us. Galatians 3.29 says this, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Isn't that awesome? So we can look back and, and not be in proper exegesis. We can look back into the Old Testament, into the, the life of the Israelites, and we can see that all those promises, all that fulfillment, all that character building, all of those lessons, everything, it can be pulled through because as people of Christ, as people who have belonged to Christ, we are called, according to Galatians, Abraham's descendants, heirs according to his promises because remember when abraham was given the promise you'll have a son and we made into nations and through all those through that nations there will be uh, uh, there would be this fulfillment of people being called the people of god and and it was through the descendants of abraham that we came to be able to receive christ God's character is reflect, reflected by his relentless love for the faith community and because of that faith community is because of that, the faith community is significant regardless of how much we fall short. Uh, you know, in our family, we, uh, we do like Starbucks. Just a confession time. How many people like Starbucks here? But we found some other really nice coffees in Peterborough. I'm not going to name them here because I'll get it wrong, but I, I mean, some of the staff have been gracious to, to say, well, you go here or go here or, or, and, and, and showing the different places and stuff like that. But uh, in the summer, one of the things that I, I've enjoyed over the times, especially when it first came out, was this Starbucks iced caramel macchiato. I didn't, didn't hear any, mm. But what I like, and there's all these drinks now that are shaken, espressos and things like that, but what I like is when I can see the layers. Can you show up this next, uh, this next picture? When I can see the layers in my drink. You're supposed to stir it up, I think, but I like to keep it that way because I want to see all the layers and remind of all the good parts, the milk, the espresso, the caramel sauce that goes to the bottom because it's too heavy. I just want to like see it all there. And, and at the end, if you, if you do it right, when you get to the end of that caramel macchiato, you have this sweet finish of just like 
caramel sauce all on the bottom, and that's what you get. It's like dessert after your coffee. Yeah. You know, when we disconnect the need of the faith community from our need of God, we miss out on the sweet spots, the good stuff. The layer that you got to kind of persevere to the end to get to, and it's the good stuff. God works through the layers, and community is not only a part of the layers in our faith, but it's the container intended to bring the gospel to those around us and beyond. And understand, I'm not talking about like a Sunday morning service or a a, a piece of landscape or I'm not talking about like the building itself. I'm talking about this dynamic where, you know, you're in the grocery store and you're like, and someone's like, oh, who is that who just talked to you? And you're like, oh, they go to my church. We're part of the same community of faith. Or when your neighbor gets sick or something goes wrong, you're like, I'm going to ask my church family to pray for you. Is that okay? And they're like, what's a church family? It's significant. And if you try to do church and you try to do, if you try to do not church, but religion, spirituality, Christianity, without the faith community, you miss out on all of the layers and the depth of what God wants to do and the container in which he wants to reach people after people after people groups to come understand the promises that are fulfilled through Jesus Christ and salvation. The last thing I want to share with you today, and perhaps I'll call the worship team up at this point in time. That would be great. How are we doing for time? Because I forgot to bring up my watch. Thanks, Pastor Frank. (laughs) Number three is this. What's so significant about the faith community, it's that it's the expression. God's glory is revealed best in the context of community. If community without faith is just a social club, and I'm not interested in pastoring a social club, I don't know. Are you interested in being just in a social club? I don't think you are. In fact, I've met people after people, person after person this week, who are passionate about growing in their faith and seeing this community reached, seeing seeds that have been planted even this week in in camp being watered, being a part of the solution, not a part of the problem or the critic of the problem. No, I've seen people who want to be a part of this expression. Why? Because God's glory is revealed. Not our glory, but God's glory is revealed best in the context of community. Faith without community is what? It might be spiritualism, it's philosophy, it's, it's isolating, it's unaccountable. You fill in the blank, you know what it's like when you're disconnected from the body of Christ. But when you receive Christ in faith, you become the expression of our faith. Your testimony is our testimony because we're family. And family in all cultures, it's the thickest bond and it's highly esteemed. Because we're not just a people, but we're family. And John 1, 12 explains it this. It says, but as many 
as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Those are the ones who are part of this family. And when God connects who he is with the larger family, there's an amazing purpose in it. Would you stand with me, with us? Stand together. Romans eleven thirty six says, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. How many people want God to be given the glory in this family, this faith community? God's glory is revealed best in the context of community, but I want to say this. When the people of God choose collectively to be led by God, entire landscapes are changed. Yeah, there's something important that happens when one person responds to God and, and they follow the lead of God in their life and the anointing, or, or that, that's significant, we'll talk about that later, but when a whole people of God follow the leading of God together as a community, landscapes are literally changed. The enslaved are free, seas are parted, new territory taken over, generations shaped for eternity, cities are fed, the disenfranchised are welcome, towns are transformed, regions are reached, nations are saved. And when Jesus gave the great commission to his disciples to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, he planned for it to be done in a community. Why? Because God's glory is revealed best in community. It's expressed best in community. That's what makes it so significant. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you love us. We thank you last week that we learned that you are personal, you're compassionate, you're holy. And even today, God, as we talked about this I am statement, God, it's a reminder that you are everything that we could ever imagine or need, self-sufficient, and yet you choose to connect yourself to a community of faith. God, help us to see this week, even as we ponder these thoughts and these questions help us to see how significant it really is to be a part of a faith community it's not a social club it's not even a place where just good works happen out of a building lord we're the bride of christ help us to feel that same love for one another I pray for an increase of love for one another in the body of Christ, even, even from this point forward. Not because it's not there, because it's such a loving church, but God, an increase of love as we look at each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, as children, as part of the family, but that we collectively are your bride and nobody disses the bride on the wedding day and we don't want 
to criticize your bride either. Instead, we want to encourage and support and be a part of her, God. Lord, would you pour out your spirit in the places where we fall short? Would you do something new in the way that all of the parts of this body function, God, and how we, we work together, Lord, in community, I pray that you would just do what you do best, which is find the pieces and put them together and reveal the, the things that are significant for this season in the life of Calvary Church, God. And, and we ask for all that for your glory and your honor so that the body of Christ, the family of God, the the people of God, community of faith, would not be a hindrance ever to people being able to see exactly who God is, the God of love. And Jesus, may we look more and more like you the more we, we seek to give you glory and honor, the more we, we posture ourselves, God, to, uh, to be a part of this family and, and fully embrace what you have for us, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to become even more like you, Jesus. And in doing so, we'll be reminded that, guess what? The kingdom is not in danger. The, the kingdom is not in trouble. That you have a plan and a purpose. And God, your purpose is to work in this family during this season, Calvary Church. We give you the glory and honor, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Amen, amen. We're going to sing a song. Cameron's going to lead us. Have you been enjoying Cameron and Brianna leading today? Yeah. I, uh, we're going to sing a song. They're going to sing a song, and I'm going to stand over here. And the reason I'm going to stand over here is because I know that in the group this size, that there's probably some people who you've struggled recently or in the last little while about... Uh, the family of God in church. You would rather isolate yourself and be on your own and doing faith by yourself, but you know that God's spoken to you today and you need some healing. I believe that we're in a season when God wants to heal. And he wants to take us, sometimes he has to bring us into a small little moment with a few people of faith that we can be trusted. Like in the nursery of a church basement, where I was with my grandmother and a couple of kids and a leader, and suddenly I felt safe and it felt sacred. I want you each to have the experience of it feeling sacred and safe being a part of this church family. And if you need prayer for that today, I'll be up at the front. There'll be a couple other ministers that'll be here too, but let's sing. Let's praise the Lord together. But if you need prayer, we'd be, we would love to pray with you today that God would continue to bring healing and strength uh, in your lives. God bless. <laughs>